Welcome back to Med Twitter this week. I'm Chris the Chew Man Chew. I've got a great tweet from Dr. Shruti Patel I want to share with you, but I'll catch up with you after the intro. have Dr. Shruti Patel here today, and her tweet this week was directed at an article from the American Heart Association, so I'll read this really quick. At American Heart published this 2020 arguing against affirmative action and stating diversity doesn't save lives. There are many reasons why this piece is harmful, outlined by Med Twitter, and she references Dr. Uh, Trisha Ray Pendergast's um, tweet from August 2nd, um, but I want to focus on the fact that the author was of Asian descent. So, Dr. Patel, thank you for joining me today. Thank you so much for having me. So I so I find this uh, it's actually a very interesting um, discussion because I have I am of Asian descent and yes. so are you. Yep. And so, can you tell me a little bit about what this this article for American Heart Association was about, and then what your thoughts are and what made you write this? Yeah. So, so like you said, the Journal of American Heart Association they published this paper, um, essentially advocating against affirmative action in cardiology programs. And really, at first glance, when you read kind of the title and the abstract, it seems like it's going to be a review paper, um, considering looking at diversity and inclusion policies, and then really considering further solutions to the ongoing issues of underrepresentation. And then as you kind of read the body of the text, that's where kind of more of these ideas come out. And, and he really states that racial and ethnic preferences for black and Latinx people result in weaker academic standing. And he makes that statement. He goes on to say that many of them don't attain academic success. And this is wildly troublesome um, that, you know, something like, like statements like that were published in, you know, a prestigious academic journal. Um, and, and the part, you know, and then you go on, you continue to read, and a large part of what he, his narrative is that in regards to how Asians specifically are affected by affirmative action. And he pens that, he also penned a, a piece in Jack last year, another very prestigious journal, um, in regards to uh, increasing representation of underrepresented minorities. And he specifically calls out that Asians were not included, um, even though it's part of one of the three smallest minority groups. Um, mm. So that's kind of the, the backdrop of his current article and really what kind of prompted me to write this tweet and this thread. Now, I recently had a talk with Dr. Stetson and we were talking in regards to online learning about equity versus equality. And so I, I feel that talking about affirmative action and whatever form you think of it, you know, I, I think right. also that the term also brings up some of his own issues. Um, but that actually has to deal closely with that. And I know you have a lot of interest in, in equity as well. Do you want to explain a little bit about that? Right. So, I mean, I guess, you know, equality is, you know, if you look at the numbers or, you know, there's like really great graphics of, you know, you, you, you lift everyone up equally, that that's equality, right? But equity is when we're talking about we have to look at the entire situation and how do we fight, right? And this is a fight. It's not like, you know, something that we can do passively. It's like, how do we fight for um, equity and like making sure that people have access to the same resources, the same opportunities um, and the same, really the same opportunities of success. It's not about, um, you know, a lot of people are hardworking. People can be equally hardworking and not just because they don't have resources, they don't have opportunities, they don't have access, they 
aren't getting to the same places. And, and that's what we were really fighting for, you know? Gotcha. Now, how, what, what are your thoughts on his discussion that is actually harming people of Asian descent? Is this, is this real? Is this, is this something we actually need to be worried about? I mean, I feel we're an overrepresented minority, honestly, especially right. in this area. Right. So, so, you know, one of my, one of my tweets, like kind of later on, um, I talk about how, you know, Asian, Asians represent roughly like 5% of the population. Um, but we represent more than 15%. I think it's around 17, if I remember off the top of my head, um, of, of physicians. Uh, I, some people send me an article, uh, have, said, have sent me articles about how Patel is the most common doctor last name in the United States. People love to tell me that. Mm-hmm. Um, but we're we're represented, I guess, is what I'm what I'm saying, and and I don't think I think when we're looking at the word underrepresented, and he always uses air quotes when he talks about or real quotes, um, underrepresented minorities, and, and we just aren't that in medicine. Now, if we're talking about affirmative action, kind of as a whole, I think it's important to recognize that we are underrepresented in certain places, and in, in CEOs, in the boardrooms, there's places that affirmative action helps us as Asians, mm-hmm. um, because affirmative action is looking for diversity. And so um, the, the comments that he's making about medicine, I just, I just don't think are true because we aren't underrepresented. And, and so that's kind of, yeah, that's kind of what I feel about his, his comments about that. Gotcha. So I, I want to sort of dig in a little more about the discussion in the Black and Latinx communities and his, his, uh, the views and the, I guess the, the data that he brings off that um, that it's not improving the quality because these 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 minorities are failing or something that you know what what are your thoughts on that and is is he misguided is this true is this actually more of a representation of the inherent racial biases that we have that's making it difficult for them to succeed already and so therefore even though we have affirmative action we still haven't improved equity enough that they can succeed. So so first of all, I mean seeing for pre-meds, for medical students, seeing an article like this published in a prominent journal, that causes harm, like, like very clear harm. And I think that is important to know. You know, so much of, you know, even going through medical school and being a resident is, is confidence. And how you, and you know, we talk about imposter syndrome all the time and how it actually affects your day-to-day practice. Mm-hmm. And so, so, I mean, first and foremost, articles like this um, and even, you know, and people in high positions of power having thoughts like this is harmful. Um, his thoughts about diversity not improving care, um, you know, it, I think it's also very misguided. And, and I think that, you know, I, I'm Asian. Um, and so I have had experiences with patients that had that were very meaningful because I was Asian. Not only was I Asian, I was Indian. Um, One of the most meaningful experiences I had in residency and I felt like I had done the most good for someone and I can pinpoint that moment. And it was when I was caring for an Indian man with a terrible disease. And I was able to use the fact that I was Indian and just aspects of my culture to make his days in the hospital and his entire family's days in the hospital a little bit easier. And the fact is, is that there is no board score that is high enough that can replace that interaction. It's just not possible. And so to say that, um, you know, these numbers that 
you know, you have to be like, have this MCAT score and you have to have, it just doesn't correlate with how well of a, like a doctor you're going to be and how well you're going to be able to take care of patients. And I, I truly, truly believe that. And they've proven that with step one, they've proven that like how well you memorize doesn't mean you're going to be a great doctor. So. The big question is he's, he's using these outcomes in his study or his, his research right. and he's presenting this. I mean, are these even reasonable use? Is he using these outcomes reasonably or is, are we just looking at the, is he looking at the wrong thing? What's your counter argument to this, to how he's presented the study and how would you do it different? I mean, I mean, so his, his current study, I wouldn't, I mean, I, I feel like I wouldn't even call it a study. Okay. Uh, right. Like I, I would call it, you know, he's, he's, I think, I feel like, in this, this article, kind of article, paper. article, paper. Um, thank you. Um, he's he's cherry picking information. Um, you know, using things on student doctor, um, citing himself, which you know people cite themselves all the time. There's no problem with that. But I think that he's using information that, and and there will always be a citation out there that will prove your point, and that that's a fact. Um, it's kind of like with. Even hydroxychloroquine for COVID-19. <laughs> exactly. I was like, there's a study and, you know, but you have to look at the caliber of the study, how if it's a randomized, like, you know, placebo control trial. I know Dr. Fauci says that all the time. Um, and so, yes, you can find evidence to back your data. And we've read enough papers that we know that, right? But like to critically assess a study using evidence-based medicine. Um, I mean, I just, I don't, I don't believe it, I guess is really the bottom line. So you, um, you actually gave me a couple other tweets that you thought were interesting over the last week. And um, going back to sort of talking about MCAT scores and so forth, um, you, you presented in a tweet by Eve Bowers, and I'll read this really quick. Let's get over this idea that medical schools owe us applicants admission based on high test scores. They owe society well-trained and diverse physician workforce that is representative of the population. This is and always has been about doing right by patients. How do you, why did you pick this? How is this related to everything else we've been talking about today? Yeah, so I picked that tweet because it really, it, it, it kind of highlights what I was kind of saying earlier about the, the board scores. It's like, um, sometimes we, we as, you know, medical society, we've fixated on these numbers and, you know, you get this MCAT score, you get this step one score, and then you get to go into this tier and there's, you know, it tells, tells you how smart you are. And, and I know that, you know, my board scores um, contributed a lot to how I perceived myself. Um, and, and I think that that in itself is problematic because like I mentioned before, your board score is not going to tell you the kind of doctor you're going to be. Right. It's, it's the things that you do for patients, right? It's like holding, you know, holding their hand and, and being there for them. Because the fact is, is that you're going to learn how to be a good doctor in medical school and, and in residency, because you have people around you in medical education, like yourself, like training you to be, you know, come up with differential diagnosis and come to the conclusion and take care of patients. Um, it's the part that you can't really learn from a, from an educator that, that really separates the doctors from like the good and the best. And, and I think that that's not something that you can do with a test score. And so that, that tweet really like, I don't know, I saw it and hit home. Do you think we're, we're getting there? I mean, we, I see, I see this, you know, slowly change, you know, now step one scores may 
we're we're not going to see it. It's like right, it's going to be pass fail. So right. our residency programs, as they're looking at potential residency applicants, it's not even something that they even need to concern themselves with because it literally won't be there. Right, right. So I mean, the step one thing I I have I've tweeted about this. I have mixed feelings about for the sole reason that I I worry that there's going to be more emphasis on research and more stress, and I think it's going to disadvantage certain applicants um, that kind of sometimes use step scores as like a door, but I'm hoping that overall we're moving towards a place where we are looking at a at an applicant and seeing what else they bring to the table. Um, and I think that we have slowly been moving there. I think that, you know, I had a very um, incredible and, uh, you know, medical school class and some of my colleagues, you know, um, have a diverse life experiences, which I think will make them better doctors. So I think we're trying, we're moving there. And I think, but I think articles like this don't help. Gotcha. So do you think in the future, we should be also abolishing MCAT scores to make it pass fail? Do you think that would help? You know, I, so I've been reading a little, like I've been reading some tweets about that and wait, you know, waving the MCAT and, and I didn't know anything about this before I would say two days ago. So I'm not going to make an educated kind of judgment, but um, seeing how like they also are poorly correlated. And the fact is that if you can pay for a MCAT test or sorry, an MCAT course, your score is going to be better. Right. Right, right, I was, I was privileged and I, you know, was able to pay for, you know, the, I think it was Princeton review. It was like a six week long course. And I was able to invest that money and, and, and I think it's unfair if we're trying to make this a more diverse experience. I don't think a high MCAT score tells you once again how smart a person is. I think it tells you like how much they can take, you know, take a test, use their resources, all of those things. Um, but I recognize that there's also, you know, there's an argument that there needs to be something that tells programs that you can um, you can go through med school. I don't, I really, I wish I had a better answer for you and I don't know what it looks like, but I've been thinking about it and I'm going to read a little bit more before I come up with a, a stance. <laughs> All right. And honestly, I, I've been seeing a lot of tweets from um, London Robinson. She goes by, uh, she used to be just go by at ruminate and um, she's, she's a, she's a medical student who really has been uh, really being advocate advocates for um, all medical students, especially in, in this time when a lot of them, or even pre-meds, are having difficulty getting their MCATs done, you know, the stress about getting your step ones done, right. and, you know, talking about uh, health and racial disparities. Right. So I really would encourage you guys to follow her because she's very, very vocal and a great advocate for people in that regard. So we, we just met over Twitter. And oh, she did you? <laughs> incredibly inspiring. Like she, seeing the way she is advocating for, you know, just for kind of humanity and, but also like rural areas of Minnesota and kind of, it's, it's not just, you know, racial and um, gender equality, but also equality with, in, in terms of like access to online internet for schools mm -hmm. and things like that. And so she's really opened my eyes to a lot of things that I'd, I wouldn't even have considered. Um, so I agree, follow her. She'll probably be in the mentions. Um, yep. And uh, next thing you talk to her, tell her to uh, answer my DMs if she wants to do an interview because I've I'll asked her. I'll definitely uh, tell her that. <laughs> gave me the cold shoulder, so I don't know. <laughs> I'll definitely tell her that she is. She's very busy, you know, fighting for fighting for what's right. I'd love to have her on.
I really wanted to show the audience the last tweet that you presented was from Jack. It was Shina. Uh, it says, in the years since I've taken the no manals pledge, this is the first time I've ever had to send this email. But I took the pledge, I raised the issue up front, and now I'm honor bound to follow through. The global pandemic is no time for old boys clubs plus exclusionary science. And this has to do a little bit with being on panels with all men. Is that right? Yes. So the reason why I wanted to highlight that tweet is because I was just in awe um, that someone not only, you know, made the stance of that I'm not going to be on mantles, um, but and then brought it up up front. But then once they didn't kind of comply, um, kind of pulled himself out of an opportunity that could have been good for him um, really to stand up because because ultimately, you know, I am very interested in gender equality also. And I think a lot of times, you know, we can be raising our voices for women, but really it's that he for she, it's the, it's when men also stand up and say, Hey, this, this isn't right. Um, there's extremely qualified women in this field. I think that's incredibly powerful um, and actually like makes, makes a large impact. And so I, I wanted to highlight that tweet. That tweet made me smile. Not, not because obviously I'd prefer it not have happened, but to, to feel like you have an ally, to feel like someone is really like, I w I'm willing to give something up to fight for what's right, is I thought was really cool. I love it. And you know, he, he literally has a screen cap of this, this, uh, this email that he sends. Mm -hmm. And I may steal it too. I mean, I'm, I've never, I'm not to the point where I'm asked on a lot of panels. <laughs> actually, recently I've been asked on a couple, but sure. I don't, actually I should ask who else is gonna be on those panels because Sometimes you get asked, you don't know who's going to be on the panel right, either. Right. And sometimes right. that changes the last minute too. So sometimes you can't, uh, can't, you can't help, help that. But Definitely. I, I think being conscious of that and being, being a man who could be asked, I think this is something that I need to be aware of as well. So, you know, if my career progresses to a point where I get, do get asked for these things, I, I'm sure I definitely want to keep this in mind. I'm sure it will. <laughs> I do have a couple of tweets of my own that I want to share with the audience. Yes. Uh, one is from my friend uh, Rohan, who, who does the YouTube channel Medlife Crisis. He had a really philosophical type uh, episode that came up recently about when does life actually end? And he talks about the time when he was taking care of a patient who was on ECMO. And basically, and they went through a heart-lung transplant. And at this time, they were still alive, but there is no heart or lungs in the chest. And like, he, you know, it was, it was one of my favorite episodes of his recently and I really I'm, I'm sure actually most of you most people probably listen to it listen or watch him already so but I would definitely follow him on Twitter as well and next my my last tweet that I wanted to show for this week is from my friend Kate Grant so she works with me on the curbsiders she is our our artist she she has painted many many of our covers for our cover art and she has recently done a bunch of portraits of her her colleagues who are on the front lines. So nurses, doctors, I think she even has sanitation workers. And she's done these, she took these pictures and have been, she's been slowly polishing these beautiful works of art. And she has been finally picked up by I think the BBC and a couple other papers and they, they've done stories on her. And, and she's had a couple of tweets with some beautiful pictures recently. And I'm going to just make sure I link them all below because if you're not following Kate Grant on Twitter and on Instagram and not enjoying her beautiful artwork that's on the covers for all our curbsider episodes, you are missing out. So I really encourage people to check that out. So before I go, Dr. Patel, 
Is there anything you want to let the audience know about? Is there anything you want to plug? Anything else? Um, no, I think I think that about covered it. Thank you so much for having me and talking about this really important topic. No, and thanks for coming at very, very short notice. I believe I just like, I only DM'd you yesterday. So <laughs> um, I appreciate you being able to, to on a dime interview with, uh, do an interview with me. I, I really enjoyed talking to you and I hope we can do some more in the future. Of course, of course, anytime. Thank, right. thank you. Well, thank you guys for following along. Like, like I've said in every episode, please like, subscribe, comment below on whichever platform we're on. We're on YouTube, Twitter, or Periscope. Apple Podcasts and all the fun places you get your podcasts. Um, I don't have anything else. See you guys next week. Bye.